This podcast was recorded live during our live streams every Wednesday where we do boxing news on YouTube and Twitch. So check that out if you want to see the video version. Or if you want to be part of it, stop on by and talk to us about boxing. With that said, let's get into the episode. We have quite the stream tonight. We don't have a ton of news, but the news we do have, so good. We have some amazing fights that basically got announced. Some fights that are in the works that look pretty promising. And on top of that, I have a very special surprise. Very special surprise. Which I think you guys will be very happy about. Now, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but... This has been quite the whirlwind of news recently about fights. And we're going to talk about them all. And on top of that, we have a fight this weekend that I have some very strong opinions about. Let's get into it. We're going to start with the lightest weight class, go to the heaviest weight class. And right off the bat, we are starting off with possibly, in my opinion, if this fight happens... This is going to be a fight of the year contender already. Nothing is 100%, but it's looking very good. And that is, in a way, in Donaire 2, is possible. Contracts are in the works for April. Now, the first fight was already fight of the year. The fact that we get a second fight between these two. Oh, baby. Sign me up. Sign me up. This is a awesome fight if this happens. If this happens, I mean, we're going to have an explosion of insanely good fights in the springtime. We have AJ fighting, probably Usyk. We have Fury fighting. We have this fight. And then, of course... The news that we also got this week, which is just, you know, icing on top of the cake, really, is Shakur Stevenson and Valdez in April. Not to mention, the only thing that's that's wrong with this time frame in terms of this fight with Valdez and Shakur Stevenson is that it's the exact same day as Katie Taylor versus Serrano that has been trying to get it. I mean, come on. Come on. Give me a break. April's looking stacked. This is this is just awesome news for fight fans that we're going to start off this year with some very, very strong fights in the springtime. I mean, to, to get Valdez versus Court Stevenson, boy, let me tell you, that's... That's an absolute banger of a fight. I'm going to be leaning towards Shakur Stevenson because he looks so good in that herring fight. But Valdez, with that specialty of his, you'll never, you'll, you never know. You never know. Now, apparently the contract's sent out. So that's another factor here is initially I heard rumblings about this. Shakur Stevenson alluded to having a pound for pound opponent or an opponent that would make him pound for pound. So there was a lot of speculation on who it would be. I thought it'd be Valdez seemed like the most likely candidate 
to make that kind of claim and then back it up by if you win, you should probably be ranked roughly in that in that general top 10, especially at that junior lightweight weight class, which is fantastic. Fantastic. With this whole Shakur Stevenson and Valdez fight, there was this that came out, and I think this is just a terrible take. Which is Eddie Hearn said uh, he's not worried about the the clash of dates with you know Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano. She said he said that fight between Taylor and Serrano is bigger than Stevenson versus Valdez. And uh, I'm sorry, Eddie. I know you're backing your fighter, but my goodness, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Now I, I'm sorry, Eddie. I know what you're doing. You're trying to support your fighter, but. It's not. It's not bigger. It's not bigger. I would say Taylor Serrano would be bigger in the UK. It would certainly be bigger in Ireland, for sure. Absolutely. I think if they're smart, they have the Taylor Serrano fight in the UK if they can. And then that way you have it in the best possible situation where it's earlier in the day for you know, American fans, and then you don't have to compete with Valdez versus Stevenson. You know? Cinco de Mayo weekend. The problem is with that is that then you run into eyes being taken off of Stevenson versus Valdez because everyone's going to be watching, you know, only the biggest Mexican star right now, and that's Mr. Canelo Alvarez. So no one wants to put anything on Cinco de Mayo weekend. Um, so that, that does put Eddie in kind of a, a rough spot. Obviously they're going for late April. I don't think anyone's going to want to go towards Cinco de Mayo weekend. So if he's got to compete with it, if they can have it in the UK, which I think they probably want it at, you know, <laughs> I, I would probably say that if they're smart about this, if they can have it in the UK, that would be ideal, but it's it's going to be in New York, most likely. Although, I don't know what the restrictions are going to be like in New York with sporting events. Uh, you know, we're already hearing that for the Super Bowl, they're going to be moving it out of L.A. It's probably going to be in, in Texas because the actual state's not going to allow a full capacity for the Super Bowl. They said maybe half capacity. And the NFL is like, no, 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 no. And it's the same thing with all these major fights, depending on where they are. You know, is New York going to allow a major sporting event? I don't know. We'll see. We just don't know how it's going to be. Everything kind of changes month to month. Um, see the same thing talked about with Cambosis, which we're going to talk about now. Cambosis and Devin Haney are getting closer and closer and closer, it seems like, which is great. And I'm very excited about that fight. Because then we get a unified, we get an undisputed, I'm sorry, an undisputed champion at lightweight. That's also looking like it's here towards April as well. But I just don't know where this is going to take place because the thing is about it, I keep hearing, especially Australian boxing fans saying, we're going to have this in Sydney. We're going to have this in Australia. Come down under. Would love to have this at like one of our giant hundred thousand you know seating kind of stadiums 
that sounds awesome. And I think George Cambosis deserves that kind of homecoming for a fight. Absolutely, absolutely support that. Is the Australian government going to allow a full gate though? And I've asked people, I've actually asked people on Twitter that are Australians. Um, I said, you know, is, is this really possible? Like, is, is the gate going to be full? And some of them have not responded to me when I've asked that. Some of them have said yes. That, yeah, it, it would be possible. I don't know enough. You know, I can, the news will tell you one thing, but I want it from the mouth of actual people that live there, obviously. So, I, I look, I don't know if people want to answer that question because it's a tough question to, to really answer, right? How are you supposed to know? We're talking months down the line. Things can change. I mean, the UK just completely changed its rules literally like today. So you just don't know. Um, but what's interesting about the George Cambosis versus Devin Haney fight is I'm like, that. what's the fight that makes the most sense? Well, I keep seeing people say, I'd rather see Lomachenko. And I was like, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know, you know. But then I saw this from Bob Arum saying he's optimistic about Cambosis versus Lomachenko. And he says the fight can happen in Australia. And I'm like, okay, Bob know, must either Bob knows something I don't, and that's not being reported, or I I just don't see. I just don't see the Lomachenko versus Cambosis fight happening. We talked about this like pretty much the last two weeks um, on this program because it's it's one of those things where the risk versus reward is just not there. It's just not there. I, I sound like a broken record. I'm not going to harp on it too much. It just doesn't make sense to me that you'd fight Lomachenko when he doesn't bring anything to the table in terms of belts. He He's going to bring, he's going to bring a lot of, if you do beat him, He's going to make you a absolute star in terms of the eyes of boxing fans. Yes. But he's not going to bring a belt like Devin Haney is. And if you beat Devin Haney, you become undisputed champion. If I had to weigh the options between Devin Haney and Lomachenko, Lomachenko is a lot more seasoned fighter. He's fought a lot more top level pros than Devin Haney has. I would take my chance with the young kid. I'd take my chance with Haney. I would. But I don't know. I also don't know what kind of figures are being thrown around, what kind of contracts are being thrown around. Maybe with Lomachenko, there's no rematch clause, right? Where with Devin, there might be a, a rematch clause and you don't want to get into a two-fight deal. I don't know. But I think the whole where Cambosis is going to fight and who he's going to fight, it's basically been narrowed down from what I've seen to... Three locations and two fighters. It's going to either be Devin Haney or Lomachenko. The three locations I see repeated time and time again. Australia, obviously. The U.S. and probably in Vegas, most likely. And the third one that's been floated is the Middle East. Those are, those are the three locations in the two fighters. So we're getting down to that at least because there's talks about other fighters in the mix and they've kind of just faded away. And now it's really these two guys 
these three locations. I'm hearing Australia talked about a bunch right now. That's kind of interesting. The biggest, the biggest thing is location and now finalizing everything, which is going to be money, all that fun stuff, of course. So now we're going to jump up to one of our favorite individuals that we love to talk about. And this is a great, I hope this is true. And that's Mr. Boots Ennis. Jerron Ennis says he'll have two welterweight titles by 2023. Now, you can take that to mean a couple things. It could be who he fights, right? Because obviously if he fights, we already know who Spence is fighting and Ugas is fighting this. They're going to be fighting each other. He's only got to beat the, the winner of that to have two belts, right? You, you can kind of assume what he's trying to go after here. Jerron Ennis, to me, is the best prospect right now to win a major title this year. To me. In any weight class, basically. He's, he's the best one I see. Other than who we're going to talk about with this weekend. This is like... In terms of some shifts in major weight classes, this is probably the one I see happening most likely. You know? Because Jerron Ennis is so talented. And we will see how Spence looks. I mean, Spence has looked really good. We know Crawford's going to be having an interesting year with his lawsuit and everything like that that we talked about last week. But with Bud... If now that he's going to get away from top rank, we can see what kind of deals he makes, what kind of fights he gets. Regardless, I want to see Ennis fight as much as possible. This kid's so good. He's so talented. To me, he is, he is the best. I mean, contender. He's not even a prospect. He's the best contender out there right now. So... Don't get me wrong. I love my Virgil Ortiz. He's Virgil Ortiz is a fantastic fighter. Ennis is just that much more polished, though. You know? So, to me, he's the most polished individual. Now, there's someone that wants to be up there with him and kind of wants to be considered at that same level. I don't think he's there yet. But I see you talking about Connor Ben having serious power. Well, Eddie Hearn says he's targeting Maurice Hooker to go against Ben. This is huge. This is a perfect step up. This is a big this is a big step for Connor Ben, but it's a really appropriate one. It's a really good one. You know, when he was calling out AB and he was calling out Amir Khan and he was calling out Mikey Garcia. I was kind of like, eh. I don't really care for that fight as much. But Maurice Hooker, sign me up all day. And let me tell you, we're going to get a, a good sense of where Connor Ben is in this fight. Maurice Hook, Hooker hits hard. He's really awkward to fight because he's so long and lanky. 
He's a really solid boxer. I know, I know that we've seen him lose, especially Virgil Ortiz, made it look somewhat easy, but Virgil Ortiz got hit. Virgil Ortiz got stunned. Definitely, definitely got a little wobbly from Maurice Hooker. Maurice Hooker hurt Jose Ramirez. So he's he's a no-joke fighter. Dealing with someone that fights that long, that hits as hard as he does, this is a fantastic fight. If Conor Ben takes this fight, he's going to go way up in terms of what I think he is as in terms of moving from that prospect kind of level where he's fighting guys that are easy fights for him. This would be a massive step up for him in a, in a really positive way. I love seeing fighters that want to go after a little bit more challenge. This is a good step up. This is some definite kind of, this is going to tell us more than what we've seen before. He seems to have great power. You know, Samuel, Samuel Vargas is, is a pretty no joke fighter. He's got a good chin, but he's so over the hill or just kind of weathered as a fighter, blowing him out in a single round. That looks great. That looks great. But this is a fight that I actually care about. Okay, looking more now at middleweight. This fight has, I have a few opinions about this fight right here, which is Chris Eubank Jr. going in against Liam Williams. Now, as you guys remember, Liam Williams, he definitely lost to Boo Boo, but he gave a couple good rounds to Boo Boo and definitely stole some rounds to him. And to me, the thing about Liam Williams is that he's a tough nose fighter. He's a really tough nose fighter. And it really showed that even though he's not as polished as some fighters, He's not there to, to just get beat up. He's going to hit you back. And he landed a few really big punches on, you know, on Drod. So if he can do that, I have not been impressed with Chris Eubank Jr. I have not been impressed with Chris Eubank Jr. Even though he's working with Roy Jones Jr., he just hasn't really made me feel like he takes boxing as serious as a job as he should. And that doesn't mean I don't think he works out and he's not in camp and, and training hard. He is. He just is so inconsistent with the amount he's fighting. He should easily be fighting multiple times a year. And he just, he just kind of isn't. Um, in his last fight, I was very unimpressed. He tried to be too cocky. Tried to kind of look too much like someone like a Roy Jones Jr. And it's just like, dude, you're not. You're not that guy. You're not that guy. I know you want to be that guy. You're not that guy. Um, On this same card, we have everyone's favorite in, in chat. I can tell everyone's favorite fighter, Clarissa Shields. Now, this fight with Kozen, I, I don't really care. I don't really care about this fight. Um... Shields, I will say, even if you don't like her, she does one thing really well, which is self-promote. She is the one that makes sure that people talk about her. It's hot takes on Twitter, stuff like that. But guess what? It's 
reaching a bigger audience because she does these hot takes and she keeps keeps herself relevant. There's some fighters that when they're not fighting, you don't hear about them. They don't they don't really play that game on social media. She at least does that pretty well. Give give her credit where credit's due. Now, she's said actually about this fight coming up after she wins she said, quote unquote, if Savannah Marshall wants to come in the ring and start talking, she's more than welcome to. I think there's only, it's only a matter of time. Only a matter of time till we get Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall to fight. And it's only going to happen if we as fans push it hard enough. Linked emails show Clarissa Shields' efforts to fight on Jake Paul undercard. <laughs> this is... Thank you, Shrek, for sending this out. Really? I think... Look. Good for her. Good for her. Good for Shields trying to get on the undercard of Jake Paul. A Jake Paul fight. I'm not going to hate on that. Now, she obviously has shown no love to Jake. But maybe this is partially why. And of course, of course, after she got tonight, she said she'd never be on a Jake Paul undercard. I, I get that. Look, she's trying to play the game. You know, she's trying to play the game. I can't hate on her too much for that. You know? But hey, every time she tweets about Jake Paul, it's boosted. Everyone talks about what she said. So, you know. So now let's talk about Canelo. And this was kind of brought up earlier, which is Canelo Alvarez's fans could hate his choice for May 7th fight. Now, what does that mean to me? Who would that be? To me, that's really hard to say who, who that person would be. It would have to be a complete no name for Canelo fans to hate this fight happening. It would have to be someone that we literally have no interest in seeing. Zero. You could say it was kind of similar to the Yildirim fight. I remember a lot of people talking very negatively about that fight, how they just don't care. They don't care because they don't care about who he fights if it's going to be that, if it's going to be Yildirim, they don't care because to them, it's a total, it's a total whatever fight. So if that's the case, you know, if that's the case where it's a who cares kind of fight, I still think that people are going to watch and tune in anyways. They're still going to watch. Why? Because it's Canelo. And if anything, if you're a Canelo fan and it's a whatever fight like that, you're thinking, man, maybe, just maybe, I can get tickets for this for a reasonable price. So, you know, like, and especially after the year last year he had, I think fans will probably give him a, a break if he takes somewhat of an easier one. So I'm not, I'm, I, what I think is probably going to happen with Canelo, honestly, is we're probably, 
I think we're going to get the Bivol fight. Makes probably the most sense. That's probably the fight I'm seeing happen. But we don't know. It could be a total dud, as someone would say, for this next fight for him. But I don't think people are really going to care that much. You know? I just don't think people are going to care as much because of uh, uh, last year. Canelo's lowest caliber opponent last year, Yildirim, is like what everyone else generally, a lot of other fighters basically took as one of their fights or if not both their fights last year, right? Although we saw a lot of really good ones. But, you know, we've seen years where you see people fighting complete random strangers and you're just like, okay, I know nothing about this guy, right? Like Joe Smith, obviously late replacement, but it's like we get fights that are a lot worse. So I'm not too concerned about it. I'm really not. So let's move up to heavyweight. Then we'll go to fight predictions. First thing we're going to talk about is Bergovic. Bergovic is looking like he found an opponent for his eliminator match that he's been looking to match up with. And that is looking like Tony Yoka. Yoka, if you don't know, Olympic boxer, did very well. Beat Joe Joyce in the Olympics, if I'm not mistaken. Very solid boxer. And I think that that's not a bad fight. That's definitely a more European fight in terms of interest. I don't think you're going to get as many Americans in terms of fan base caring about that fight. That's actually a solid fight overall. Yoka being French. Hergovic being Croatian, uh, it's definitely going to lean towards more a European boxing fan base, but it's still a good fight. I actually, I would definitely tune in for that fight. Keep that on your radar. It's a great fight for both of them, honestly. It's a good fight for both of them. Hergovic, obviously, I think he doesn't feel like he's being taken serious. Yoka, I think, wants to move up and caliber of fighters and kind of get known a little bit more. So I think this is actually a solid fight overall. And it keeps both of them fighting solid opponents. So next, we have to have a little conversation about Mr. Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is... I got good news and I got bad news. So let's start with the bad news first. And that is, I saw this. Which is Tyson Fury could fight Char or Hellenius next if white does if the white fight doesn't happen now they already moved the purse bid for white to this Friday so we're gonna have a much better sense of what's going on by Friday hopefully Daniel Char is a washed up heavyweight that's who he is and the responses of when this came out were very negative Everyone's like, oh, God, not Char. You got to be kidding me. And as you guys know, as I always say, if they put up two names, the worst of the two names is probably who's going to end up getting the contract. Remember how this started? It was Tyson Fury could be fighting Andy Ruiz or Hellenius. And I said, it's probably going to be Hellenius because he's the, he's, he's the less threat 
And now we've now moved from Andy Ruiz being in the picture to Char and Hellenius. So that is something that people are none too pleased about. I think I think Hellenius people would rather see, if anything, out of this. Obviously, Tyson Fury doesn't want any kind of fight that could be that dangerous when he's this close. He's so close. He can almost taste the undisputed fight with whoever that's going to be. Now, what's interesting is that's how the week started. And then this little tidbit come, came out. I don't know how much I believe this or not, but Bob Arum says he's in talks with Tyson Fury and Usyk for a Middle Eastern fight. Joshua and White would step aside. I would love this. I would absolutely love this because then we would go straight to an undisputed heavyweight champion in the spring. And I bet you there'd be a rematch clause. So we'd get that back-to-back -back fights of Usyk Fury spring fall. Tell me that doesn't sound amazing. So I don't know how realistic this is. The only way this makes a lot of sense is if you can guarantee afterwards AJ gets a, a fight or something like this just doesn't make a lot of sense to me because I think if you're AJ are you going to want to wait around probably not the biggest flaw with this is thinking that Dillian White's going to wait around there's no way Dillian White's taking step aside money I don't think he cares anymore about money I think he wants that title shot It just, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me that both AJ and White are just like, oh, you know what? Don't worry about it, Bob. Don't worry about it. You guys have your undisputed fights in the Middle East to make a ton of money. We're just going to hang out on the sidelines. And then we'll get our crack at it when we get our crack at it. Because the truth of the matter is, after, let's say they had a, a just a one fight deal, which would not happen. But if it did happen, then for AJ would get totally screwed out of it because White would be the mandatory for the WBC belt. <laughs> like, if you're AJ, you really get screwed in this whole deal. You really get screwed if you're AJ in this deal. Nothing about this deal works for you. Other than you get you get step aside money. So you get money for not fighting. But AJ has so much ungodly money at this point. He has so much money. I don't know if you can tempt him. I really don't know if you can tempt him. With step aside money. I mean, it would have to be ungodly type of step aside money. Now there's obvious video out there of, of AJ saying, you know, I'm a businessman. At first, he was saying, no, 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 I'm not taking any step aside money. And then he kind of changed his tune a little bit to, well, I'm a businessman. So for the right price, you know, anything kind of can happen. That was his his line. How much I believe that. I'm sure there's a number, but that number would have to be crazy money. So I don't think this is happening. I think we're going to get. I think we're going to get an absolute easy pushover for. Tyson Fury this spring.
And I don't think it's going to be Dillian White, sadly. And I think we get AJ and Usyk. And then hopefully this fall, we get Undisputed. So, that's how I see it. That's how I see it. Now, let's talk about this weekend. We have a great little fight going on. Between Gary Russell Jr. and Mark McSayo. This is going to be a fun one because there's a lot of dynamics to this. There's a lot of possibilities that could happen with this fight because we just don't know what kind of... Well, let's get into it first. Let's start with basic stats and then we'll go from there. So looking at these two side by side... Mugsayo is a mandatory, and Gary Russell was going to lose his belt, his WBC belt, at featherweight if he did not take this fight. So that's why he's fighting. He was in 2020 was the last time Gary Russell fought. So Gary Russell is 31 and uh, 31 and one. The one lost to Lomachenko. Mugsayo is 23 and 0. If you haven't seen Mark Mugsayo's last fight. He had almost knockout of the year. Now he also got knocked down, but he almost had almost had knockout of the year. It was a candidate for knockout of the year. So age-wise, Gary Russell's 33. Oxayo's 26. They're fairly close in height. I mean 5'5 five, five and 5'6. And about four different four centimeters difference. Reach-wise. They're about, they have a little bit more reach. Uh, I believe Mugsayo is closer to a 68-inch reach. But we have Southpaw versus Orthodox. Now, Gary Russell has a about 55%, 56% KO percentage. Mugsayo has a 70% KO percentage. So going into this, we have a young contender here. Versus a seasoned contender with Gary Russell. If this fight was about two years ago. I would say Gary Russell Jr. is going to win. Because his hand speed's phenomenal. And the one thing that Mark McSayo struggles with is. Defensively he's, he's porous. He gets hit. He gets hit. So. I would lean towards Gary Russell. With that hand speed. Probably winning by decision. The one factor with this fight that makes a big difference is that Gary Russell Jr. has an X factor that sadly we talked about last week, which is his dad had his foot amputated due to complications with his type 2 diabetes. Gary Russell doesn't have his trainer in his camp right now, and he's not going to have his trainer or his dad in his corner for this fight. Add on to that two years of being completely inactive. Before that was two years of being inactive. He only fought once a year since 2015, I believe. So he's a very inactive fighter overall. Very inactive overall. So... 
we have one kid over here, the contender, that's a Filipino kid that's hungry, wants it. And then we have Gary Russell, who seems very lukewarm about boxing in general, has a lot of rust that he's got to shake off. He doesn't have his father, who's been his trainer his entire career, in his corner or in camp. And as he said, quote unquote, his camp has been chaotic. I'm seeing upset city here. I'm seeing an upset. The first major upset of 2022, I think, is going to be this fight. I think we're going to have a new WBC champion at featherweight with Mark Maxayo. I think he's going to win by... I think he's going to win by decision. I think it'll be a split decision, though. I think one judge will give it to Gary. But I think we are going to have an upset here. This card overall is pretty solid. Not a bad card overall. But this main event is going to be a very fun one. It's going to be a fun one. And we'll see how it goes. I mean, Gary, Gary if he still has it in him, and he's such a good fighter that I think he could win. But something just tells me there. This is one of those fights where it's like we saw what happened in 2021 with so many fighters basically taking 2020 off. We saw what happened with all the ring rust from all the people taking a year off because of COVID. When you have guys like, you know, Parker having a serious fight with Junior Fa and struggling. You're just kind of like, okay. We saw it with Joshua Bowatsi. We've seen this. We've seen this. And I think that's why we had so many upsets in 2021 in particular. I think that that's what's going to happen here. Two years off is a lot of time. It's a serious amount of time. So... With that, we are now going to go into Tweets of the Week. And I will have a little surprise for you guys that I think you're really going to enjoy with Tweets of the Week. Very fun little surprise. First, let's start with the cringiest tweet of the week. This is by far the worst tweet i can't i kind of can't believe he thought this was a good idea you know he thought this was a good idea in his head and then he did it and he put it out there and it didn't probably go as well as he expected and that's bradis with a little song he has for jake paul happy birthday jake paul that is pure cringe that is that is pure cringe um yeah that right there is a cruiser cruiserweight world champion singing to Mr. Jake Paul about how he's going to kick his ass. He already got the tattoo, which we talked about last week. 
Yeah. That's that's an actual that's an actual real professional boxer. Yeah, not a good look. Not a look, not a good look, Brace. Look, I get it. You want, you want that title. You want to, you know, other than that title that you have, you want to get some real money. <laughs> and so I get it, but that's that's not a good look at all. That's not a good look at all, man. Okay. Now there's not a lot going on in terms of tweets. Okay. But I did find something out that's very interesting. Okay. First, we're going to talk about Mr. 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 Rowley here, right? His tweets are, I suck at boxing, but I beat the fuck out of everyone, <laughs> which I love. And we've been doing a lot of tweets of the week with, with Rowley. We've been doing a bunch of tweets of the week with Rowley because he's super fun. He always always delivers every week with something that we find to have a really good time to kind of chat about and have a good laugh at. And I think he knows very well what he's doing. You know, he understands that he, he can make people kind of love him or hate him with Twitter. Well, I've been taking our tweets of the week and a lot of them that Roly has been doing, and I've been putting them on TikTok, doing like short edited versions for TikTok. And an individual on TikTok, that's another boxing kind of channel for, for TikTok, kind of has been asking me, like, hey, are you going to be doing any, like, rolly TikToks anymore? Rolly kind of TikToks? And I was like, yeah. Like, I usually kind of post them and stuff like that. And then he sent me this. He said, any more rolly tweets? He said, live stream tonight. We do tweets of the week every Wednesday. So we will be covering Mr. Rolly. He said, Will do, champ. Rolly actually sent me the video, and I said, and I found you. So you know, Rolly is watching. Mister Mister Rolly has been watching us apparently, or he found us. And I will say this: I'm going to extend an invitation to. The boxer formerly known as Rolly. Anytime you want to come on or you want to chat or interview or anything, I would be more than happy to have you. Full invitation. Anytime you name it, uh, hit me up. I absolutely would love to have you on the stream. Or we can just do an interview and you can approve it. Whatever you want. Whatever you want, Rolly. I would absolutely love to have you on the program, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I could not believe wait. <laughs> so I was just like, what? No way. Um, I can't verify this, obviously. I have no idea if Roly actually sees any of this stuff. I don't know. I'm I don't know if he knows Roly or not. He's pretty big on TikTok. He has like 20,000 followers on TikTok. Um <laughs> <laughs> um so I I absolutely <laughs> if Roly somehow finds this, I would I would love to talk to him, man. He's a funny dude. But just so you guys know, when I do my TikToks, 
I show the tweet up above and I show what you guys are saying. So you guys have been in all my TikToks. So Roly has been reading what you've been saying. He's literally seeing what you guys are saying. Another beautiful tweet from Roly here. Jake Denovan's head looks like the top of my dick. Somebody got a bitch slap him too. Hashtag ugly ass MFR. Which I was like, I don't know who this is. So I found him. And <laughs> not only is that an accurate tweet from Roly, but the guy actually took Roly's tweet and created it as his banner on Twitter, which big props to him for that. Big props to him for like taking the joke and like not, <laughs> not, <laughs> and not being too, too serious about it. So Roly tweets it. This guy keeps it as his banner. What a, what a great sense of humor, man. What a great sense of humor. <laughs> and yet again, it's another week and Roly, Roly is king of, of course, of course, Roly's king of our tweets of the week. You just listened to Glove Talk boxing news that we do every Wednesday. This is the audio version. If you want to see the live version, you can either join us on YouTube or on Twitch. Thanks for hanging out. And we'll be back next Wednesday with more boxing news.